Welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. As always, this is Allison with Slenderella in Austin, Texas. We're super excited to have you on the show today. And your hosts are Nurse Doza, Jonathan Mendoza, chiropractor and nurse practitioner, as well as Tex-Mex Yogi, aka Baldo Garza. These two are the co-founders of Slenderella, and we love having you join us on the podcast. But before I dive into what the show's about today... The How Do You Health podcast is brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is recorded at MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. So today's episode is a special edition all about vitamin C and its interaction with viruses, especially those like COVID-19. Now, vitamin C has long been known to boost the immunity in a variety of ways. I've been doing some of my own research on it, and we're very um, cautious about using terms like uh, antiviral and immune boosting unless there's heavy science to back it, and with vitamin C, that is available. So this is a really important episode to listen to. Don't take anything you hear um, medically speaking as dogma, but do look into some research on your own and understand that all of the claims made in this episode are backed by research that we've done ourselves, and we highly encourage you guys to do the same on your own. So with that in mind, please give a warm welcome to Nurse Doza and Baldo at Tex-Mex Yogi on the How Do You Health podcast talking about vitamin C and its interaction with viruses. What's up, y'all? Welcome. We're live here at uh, MSW Lounge. And uh, we're excited to be uh, to bringing you another episode of How Do You Health podcast. Uh, this time is going to be John and I, uh, Nurse Doza, and Tex Mex Yogi. We're going to talk about a little bit about the current state of affairs about COVID and different things that are happening around the world, and how people are treating it or trying to treat it, and the things that we do know and are trying to come up with some more answers. And we're going to talk about those things. So, 
without further ado, let's uh, let's get the party started. John, so what do you... Uh, we've been talking a lot about vitamin C lately because that seems to be the one thing that nobody's talking about that we know has some effect. Yeah, that's true. Uh, vitamin C is something that no one is talking about, and I don't know where you're getting your sources of information data. Like even you, you, you look at different things than I do. Uh, one of the things that I came across was that vitamin C could be helpful for things like acute respiratory syndrome, which is very similar to what we're dealing with right now with coronavirus. And one of the interesting things about vitamin C is that it has been researched for decades for many different types of health uh, issues, and it's been very beneficial through an IV. And here at MSW Lounge, like, we do vitamin IVs. I don't know. We're filming with an IV pole, like several IV poles behind us. We got hooks around us. We do a lot of IVs here. Vitamin C IV is something we've been doing a lot of lately. And we do a lot of it because people know that it just helps their body. Vitamin C, as we know, that's not debatable at this point, yeah, right? Like we can't debate that vitamin C isn't good for you. Like this is great for you because it's designed for our body and our bodies are designed for vitamin C. And so vitamin C, what it does is it's called an antioxidant, all right? And it's an antioxidant that helps promote the fight against free radical damage. Okay, so free radical damage is like your you have metabolism, you burn off stuff, you break stuff down for energy, and then whatever's left over, it kind of is, if it's left around in your body, it's a toxin and it just chips away at your cells. If you detox it, you get rid of these toxins, right? That's what it is. Well, that's what vitamin C does. It helps fight those free radicals, those toxins, and it gets rid of it in the body. Now, it doesn't, it's not as strong as a detoxifier, say glutathione, but vitamin C is its own antioxidant, its own right, because of the incredible things that it has been proven throughout decades to, to, to help with. Now, is it is vitamin C also only, you can only get it exogenously, is that correct or no? So vitamin C is, is an, it, like you have to actually, you have to take it in, you have to take in your diet. Like, yes, that is that is correct. You have to. Not necessarily meaning that you have to take a well, supplement Well, like, it. here's the thing, you can store it and, and you can have a, a, like, like you don't have to eat it every day, right? right? Like that's what I'm basically saying. So yes, it's something you need, but it's something that you can keep, right? So if you become deficient in it, then there's all kinds of health issues. And we know uh, that most people probably won't become deficient in vitamin C nowadays because there's vitamin C every, everywhere you look at. So you, you can eat an orange, you get some vitamin C, right? You eat something citrus, you get vitamin C. Yeah. Right. And so the reason I ask that is because people will say like, hey, well, I eat pretty healthy. Like, shouldn't I already have vitamin C? And it's like, not necessarily because if those foods don't have vitamin C that you're eating. Now, obviously, if you're eating pretty healthy, you probably are getting vitamin C, but it doesn't necessarily mean, because it's not like, like glutathione, your body makes glutathione. The, your body doesn't make vitamin C. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That. Yeah. You can actually, you can actually form vitamin C. I believe in the body with different uh, ingredients, but yeah, like your diet is like what you do for vitamin C. Like correct. that's 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 what. And happens. a lot of fruits and vegetables are going to have it. It's just more of like it's not something that you just naturally like. It's not. So it's like not like a reactive thing. Like you know, plenty of other like hormones or whatever. You know. So. This is just what fascinates me as, as a human body. So think about when you were born. And when I say maybe in conception, right, like the tiniest little like speck, um, you had DNA with the capability to utilize vitamin C for antioxidant free radical you know, uh, defense. 
did you were you born with it or did you have to acquire it naturally and I think you have to acquire it naturally because even the mom at that point was given all the nutrients to the fetus to start off with so Correct. that's so our bodies aren't made with it right we're made with the tools to utilize it yeah. right I think that's the best way I can describe it with people Perfect. like that's nutrition I mean that's that's vitamin C that's vitamin D that's vitamin A uh, K and then all your B vitamins and the crazy thing about it is from a from a vitamin standpoint straightly like vitamin C is a different category than A E K and D like A E K and D are fat soluble vitamins and vitamin C is kind of like a fat soluble slash like water soluble vitamin and the reason why you consider it almost like a water soluble vitamin I guess in my opinion is because like you're in constant need of it from your diet right like vitamin a like you're pretty good on vitamin a like i mean vitamin d we're kind of deficient in that for most parts right as well um vitamin e i think we're pretty good on because once you get it you can you can do a lot with vitamin e and uh, that's kind of the unsung hero of vitamins but you have vitamin b through like one through twelve and all of those are needed from your diet because those are water soluble and you constantly need them all the time so those are your vitamins and when you take those vitamins they help you make like you said hormones neurotransmitters uh they help you repair your muscles even right i mean that that's those are vitamins yeah right so the crazy thing about vitamin c uh, is that it's been researched heavily and one of the people when i say research heavily like i don't know where people get their medical information from all right because the internet nowadays like i'm a practitioner everyone's an expert yeah everyone's oh, yeah, an expert yeah. right like, <laughs> i'm a practitioner it's my job to keep up with medical research and if you talk to a practitioner who isn't uh you know I, i'd be kind of worried right because you got to stay constant and the vitamin c has been researched since the 50s i mean probably even earlier than that but there's a guy named linus pauling who just glorified it and linus pauling is someone who won the nobel prize twice so i'm i'm pretty much going to say like i i trust what he says and if he says it's pretty good and the research there supporting what he's done has shown vitamin c has been beneficial to the body then i imagine like okay i, I gotta accept that right it's a vitamin vitamins are good for you right yeah well see like i haven't been sick in a while i, I mean it's been a long time and i do a lot you know fasting i do you know whatever i do a bunch of stuff but the one thing that i know that has since like day one that we started is like anytime i have a little scratch in the throat i'm just like vitamin c right because yeah. it's like and then it's like i don't and i don't get anything right and so i was like why don't why don't like how isn't this also helpful for other things in general right because you imagine especially like working in a clinic and as as much as we do activity all over the place that you would get sick at some point if you don't have the right defenses but oh yeah well, we have sick people that come in here yeah i mean that's why they're coming in here is to get better right like this is this is this is your defense mechanism against all these people that are coming in with germs right yeah. and the truth is like we're still open right now because we're an essential business and i know that you're doing uh, extra precautions oh, not yeah. and it's weird because yours isn't just like sanitary like cleaning everything because we're doing all that too it's like you're doing your immune boosting protocols oh yeah right like you're still fasting you're still eating right uh you're still meditating probably more even right more. even more now i'm it, fasting more and i'm also meditating more and i'm exercising periodically i mean when it comes to longevity, right, they say, like, I, I think I put this quote the other day. is like, the three best tools that we have for longevity is exercise, fasting, and sleep. And I'm getting more sleep. I'm getting, like, nine hours of sleep right now. Exercise, fasting, and sleep? Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I think that fasting is very beneficial. And what you've shown me and taught me is that I've incorporated 
yeah. because of it. And and it, the understanding, the research, and the science. I mean, we're all science based, right? I mean, that's yeah. the cool thing about it. It just makes logical sense. Like you don't, you shouldn't get your information just from the news just because they say it's the news, and you shouldn't get your information just from us just because we said it. Like go look up what we say and and, and see the research that we look at as well because it, it's. It has to be your own opinion. Hey, Vitamizers. Thanks so much for tuning into the How Do You Health podcast. We hope this conversation is beneficial for you and keeping you company in these very weird times as we're all stuck mostly at home. Please stay safe. Keep yourself healthy. Wash your hands. Do all that good stuff. And please remember that we do have our brand new Vitamunity dailies available for purchase. That link is going to be below. And when you bundle them with our Bliss, which helps you increase mood, you'll save 20% on the package and we'll donate 10 percent of all proceeds to the ATX Hospitality Fund, which is benefiting those in need during this crucial time around the Austin, Texas area. So boost your immunity, boost your mood, help the community, and let's just do our parts to help get over this strange coronavirus time very quickly. Thank you so much, Vitamizers, and keep on listening. The problem is, is that, like, the reason you don't hear about vitamin C is because uh, it's, it's nature. Right, like all this stuff was just and your no basic. But yeah, no one's really making money <laughs> off. Of it. You have vitamin C in your cabinet right now, like you're not deficient in vitamin C. I, I, it, that's the thing. But what's interesting about this virus, the coronavirus, is what it does with vitamin C, and what vitamin C does to it. So, what I found was an article, and if you go back to the Facebook, the I think either one or two Facebook videos ago, I posted a link. I'll post it again. Or you can ask any one of us for it. But this is essentially uh, what's going on with the virus. So there's this research article that I was looking at, and this is actually from where professional medical professionals actually read uh, research articles from. And uh, there was an article in 2017 with acute respiratory uh, syndrome. And what it was talking about was the damage that um, coronavirus and SARS and COVID and all this can do to the lungs, and this is what's particularly happening with people. So, this is this is just a one thought and, uh, process. I think it. I think this is a, a big possibility. Of what's going on right now? So, so really quick, if you guys want to see a better version of this, there's a there's a there's a video on IGTV for MS, MSW IGTV that has a better, um, I guess, vision of it. But we are shooting a podcast, and we're gonna. Still reference this, but we're going to be talking about like if you can't, as if you can't see this. Uh, but if you really want to see it, then you can go on the Facebook, Instagram, of I mean no, in the Instagram TV of MSW, and there's a really nice uh, video of it on there. Yeah. But so all right. So imagine that you have the lungs, and your lungs have uh, pipes in them, right? And they have pipes. They <laughs> they have pipes in them on both <laughs> sides, and at the end of the pipes. There's uh like in, there's like little round endings with some like some sacks of fluid at the bottom, right? And it's not really fluid as so much as is like your capillaries. But those are called your alveoli, all right? And so at the end of your tubes in your lungs that help you breathe and push out fluid, exchange gases, you have at the end of those pipes, you have alveoli. Now these alveoli's job are like the little the little doorman to allow the gas and the blood and the fluid to go in and out of the lungs into the tissue of the lungs right like either into the tissue out to the pipes pipes into the tissue right so they have to kick fluid out out of the lungs and what happens when people have sinuses uh, sinus issues allergies and they drain like imagine you have drainage and you swallow all that gunk and the mucus and yeah. the boogers and all that stuff it will go into your lungs 
And what will happen is they get stuck along the way because they're mucusy and they're st sticky. And they'll kind of like go along the, the lining of those pipes in the lungs. And imagine that you already have some of that and it's built up for, you know, maybe a couple months or whatever. You can't get rid of this nagging cold. And next thing you know, you get this virus. And what will happen is the end of those pipes where the alveoli are, remember those little sacs, that causes inflammation and damage, all right? And one of the things it raises is something called cytokines. Cytokines are inflammatory responses. They're a pro-inflammatory response in the body. And when I say pro-inflammatory, I say that as kind of a good thing you say, right? It's like, yes, that's true. You need inflammation in the body. You have to have inflammation. It's just a necessity. That's something you are born with. So cytokines are your natural signal to figure out not what's this, it's not going to cause just inflammation. What it's going to do is send the signal to the brain. Inflammation's going down. Get some help. It's basically like Paul Revere, right? Like coming back, hey, like they're coming, like there's something's going on, right? Yeah. So the brain then sends something over there called neutrophils, which are also white blood cells, all right? And these neutrophils are bad news because they're only elevated in times of infection, like we're talking bacterial or viral. So when neutrophils are like thrown out of the gates and they're going and sent through Paul Revere to go meet wherever the damage is done, they take, they take me to where the damage is, the inflammation, they go to the end of these bronchioles. And, and with these bronchioles, like I said, the pipes. At the end of the pipes, there's the alveoli. It damages, the neutrophils damages the alveoli at the end of those pipes, okay? So imagine you have those pipes in your lungs. At the very end, there's little sacs of, of like arteries almost, right? Capillaries. Yeah. And those things help send fluid in and out of the lungs. And if neutrophils coming from the damage of SARS or coronavirus or COVID, they can potentially cause damage on these alveoli because neutrophils will like attack basically it. It, will, it will attack it. But it sends it, it, it causes over like it calls over fluid. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. so like imagine all of these are signals, right? Like they don't actually do anything. They're just messengers, right? They're just messengers. And so these white blood cells are basically saying like, all right, well, we're causing the signal of inflammation to just come over here. And inflammation migrates wherever my inflammation is. So fluid follows inflammation and so forth. Just like when you get a cut. You get a cut, you start bleeding over there, and what will happen is you send cytokines to your cut, yeah. and the body says, okay, what's going on? If the if the cytokines report back or whatever signal, I think that's probably another signal in between, uh, that tells the neutrophils to elevate, then that means that the signal went back to the sc uh, scratch, went back to the brain and said it's probably an infection due to a pathogen. Yeah. And so what will happen is white blood cells will release different military divisions of white blood cells to go and attack that right sure okay yeah. if that makes sense no, yeah, so sure. neutrophils are just there's like so many different types there's of so many like neutrophils like for whatever army you're like thinking of right whatever military uh uh branch of navy or air force or whatever you think like that's what it is yeah. right all of those are just basically divisions of the whole big defense mechanism and so when it is increased for certain divisions you know that thing is going down so like pathogens neutrophils that's going down which means fluid will flush over to the damage and the damage is going to be in these pipes where the alveoli are and when that happens there's a buildup of fluid because the alveoli can't get rid of the fluid they can't they're so damaged they can't push the fluid back up into the pipes to go out of the lungs and what will happen is a person feels like they're drowning because it's starting to fill up with fluid. because it's starting to fill up with fluid because there's more and this is weird because with this virus it does something really odd with acute respiratory syndrome it will cause you to cause like a severity just as quickly as you think about it 
So it's not it's not that it's this is going to a cold that builds up over a couple weeks or the flu that builds up to it. This is the flu on steroids. Like this is the flu saying like not only are we going to fill up your lungs, but we're going to basically just cause so much inflammation and so much damage right away that you're we're going to shock your system. That's what happens. Okay? Because if you have fluid for no reason because the person's not swimming in a pool, yeah. Right? Like, why is fluid going there? Inflammation just starts pulling there, and they're already sick. There's mucus, like they're drinking. Like, that's the thing. For people to get to this point, they're not very healthy to begin with. Well, that's what I was going to ask you now. So, like, if you're a smoker, let's say, right? Like, yeah. And all these are black or non-functioning. Yeah. I would say all these av- alveoli, right, because they're damaged. Because right. You're a smo- or the same thing if you have any, any other type of respiratory asthma or, you know, how does diabetes play into the alveoli? So... The interesting thing about the alveoli and diabetes and anything, if it's circulation, you're thinking uh, some kind of damage and inflammation from whatever disease you're labeling it as, right, as, a, as, a, as medicine does. Um, you can say, well, it's diabetes, it's heart disease, it's uh, a, a poor lifestyle, it's bad cholesterol, it's bad hormones, you know, it, it's, it's an autoimmune disorder. It's mercy with circulation, right, because what will happen is... And these are like... In the same way that di- diabetes people will lose sensitivity in their in their toes, right? Because they're so far. Yeah, but it's not it's not necessarily that same deal here. So like, okay, so imagine, I get where you're coming from. So like, imagine if diabetes is is causing the capillaries to and the and those alveoli, like the the blood of uh, of arteries, for them to be very weak because they're very small. It's not, I mean, you don't necessarily need like big arteries in there. They're very very small, and uh, once they like pop or they burst or they come whatever. You know, you get poor circulation in there, and anything that has poor circulation in area is going to die off eventually, right? What happens with this, on top of it, is that it happens so quickly that it it shocks the system, and it causes something called sepsis in the body. And sepsis is a shock of an organ system. And what usually happens with sepsis is the organ system just shuts down because the body is overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. Okay, so in this case with SARS, the reason why you call it severe acute respiratory syndrome is that this happens very, very quickly. It doesn't happen over like the span of months. This happens over the span over like hours, right? That's what's so scary about this thing. And so imagine if you have a person that's coming to the hospital in the severest of cases, right? They're a diabetic. They've had a poor heart for a while. They've been on several medications. They've been a smoker, right? Maybe they drink beer their whole life too. And, uh, and then all of a sudden they catch this. If maybe they had asthma, yeah, right, and they couldn't get to their inhaler, right? Yeah, but they're already having trouble breathing. But they're already having trouble breathing, and this happens. There's already damage in their body from their poor lifestyle, and there's probably damage semi to these alveoli to begin with. This virus on top of it will attack that and then attack all that area and cause fluid to build up even more so. And all this fluid, like water, like will follow. There's there's all kinds of signals that are going on right here in the lungs. And that person has feels like they're drowning. They feel like there's water filling up in their lungs because it is. And so these patients will go to the hospital and they need a ventilator. And the ventilator will save their lives. It will help them breathe. So the ventilator, is it it's pushing oxygen through you? Yeah. It's basically breathing for you because you can't breathe. And this person's only going to survive with a ventilator. And that's why this is a, such a big deal because ventilators are a life-saving medical instrument. So now let me ask you this because I don't know this. Are ventilators pushing oxygen back through your, through your lungs or are they just skipping the lungs? What do you mean? 
like let's say the ventilator is like up here right like up through the through your mouth or whatever uh -huh. is it pushing oxygen to here so that way it can carry out or is it just pushing oxygen immediately to like the rest of your body because all your body i mean your blood needs oxygen yeah um that's a, that's a so very let's say you have fluid up to like right here up to like three quarters of uh -huh. your lung is full yeah Where will it, it take that fluid out of there is that what you're saying yeah what is it like you can, but it's like it's it doesn't. I don't think it works just like that. Charles would be able to back me up on this, but I I, I don't. It's almost like you'd have to have this different switch to where you yeah. turn it on and it reverses it. Correct. Like yeah, Correct. yeah. Because that's, so that's what I'm thinking. I'm just wondering how that works. Just well, I, I got curious there for a yeah, second. Yeah. Um, honest truth is, I I'm not fully. <laughs> I I yeah. really I really. But don't, it's helping you breathe. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a good question. So I imagine that. You could probably do that, and I think to a certain degree, I, I think I think it probably does, but it's more about gas exchange. So the issue with this is that the ventilators are going to allow them to breathe long enough, but if they can't get the fluid out, and I think this is the problem with the yeah. ventilators, is that most of the basic ones, if there's a, like, I, I don't know. See, here's the thing. I don't I don't work in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I don't, I don't know what the advancements in ventilators can be like now because I imagine that if you have something that may be able to do something cool nowadays, you know, great. If not, there's very basic ventilators out there that their job is just to make them breathe. Yeah. And it's just oxygen, right? Get it that in and out. To get the fluid out of there, I don't necessarily think they can do that to that certain extent of what a person who has fluid filling up to three-fourths their lung is going to need. Correct. Like, yeah. if it's to that point, like, you're you're pumping out, like, like you're sticking a tube down there and you're basically trying to push yeah. all the fluid out of that. And I don't know what that machine looks like. That's interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. Anyways. And maybe I'm completely wrong. For people in emergency medicine, please correct me. I Like I said, I, I don't work in the hospital. So I hope I wish Hondo was listening to this. He would correct me. But um, if you have the fluid building up there and you don't have enough time to get that out, what will happen is the fluid overwhelms the system. And sure. just like any other organ, the nerves go into the lungs and then essentially will cause a shock to the system and the nervous system is what shuts down the organs and so if it shuts down the organs then the lungs don't breathe anymore yeah right they, that's what happens right and so it's like i mean i gotta imagine if your heart's going out and you keep using a, an aed right you do a defibrillator and you uh, you bring them back to life and you have to keep doing that over and over again their heart's not really beating on their own and there's yeah. electrical fibers and electric th that's going through the heart and there's an there's arrhythmia right yeah. and so like you have to have this kind of pace going same imagine happens with the lungs and if any get, gets thrown off i imagine it gets in a shock and it shuts down because there's no else to do right yeah. so <clears throat> the crazy thing about sepsis is that it actually will happen very quickly and it causes vitamin c deficiency so with sepsis and vitamin C deficiency, it's something in this article and other articles I've read too that is very common. And when you give vitamin C, it helps reverse the sepsis because what it does is vitamin C does this amazing, incredible thing that it goes to the alveoli and allows them to breathe. It like opens them up and allows the flow of of fluid back, back out up. of the lung and see that's why i don't think a ventilator could do this correct like yeah. to a certain extent because like you would have to suck up from the deepest bottom of of the lungs and and that means you can only do it with like an inhale right like sure. and then an exhale and then you push all that stuff out of there so if they can't 
if they can't force their stuff out, then I guess imagine that the ventilator has to do that. So, I mean, like I said, I, I'm clueless on Maybe the ventilator. Maybe it's like it's blowing air so that way it opens up a little bit. I'm sure right now there's some people like, yeah, guys, like, just look it up, dumb. damn it, please. Or you they're just so like, you, you're so dumb right now, you should know it. I really don't know. Like I said, I don't work in emergency medicine. Anyways, keep explaining. I'm so, going to research so how to ventilate. The vitamin C will decrease the sepsis, and what it'll allow is the perfusion, the, the blood, uh, the, the oxygen diffusion, and then of course gas exchange to go through the bronchioles and the pipes, and allows you to actually start getting the fluid out of there again. And it's not saying that vitamin C causes the fluid to go out of the lungs. It's just that vitamin C helps the alveoli work better, so the alveoli can start clearing out fluid. That's that's what this article said, and it's incredible because it's uh. It's it's a very simple approach, right? It's vitamin C. It's vitamin C IVs that are work the best when these studies are done, and that's what just struck me more than anything else. Because you can't get the efficacy from vitamin C that you would want from taking a bunch of pills unless you took like 20 or 30 pills throughout the day. And you talk to that person who's done that; their GI tract is messed up. But you could do a vitamin C IV, and you can go pretty much as high as you want to a certain degree. But like they were talking about 10 to 25 grams of vitamin C for these patients with uh, COVID and coronavirus, and it was helping their symptoms. Now, the issue is I don't know the information on the follow-up. Now, China was doing the study, okay? Now, there was a doctor, and that's, if you've been looking by now, there's a YouTube video uh, of him saying that this is what they were doing for the 50 COVID patients in the hospital in China, and uh I think all 50 of them recovered completely and, and you know, di were discharged. And co uh, they was like vitamin C was used and it was used as an, a, like a, as a, one of several therapies. It wasn't the only therapy from what I understand, right? So I, the problem with all this is we don't know the treatment. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's effective or not because even all the medications that are being thrown out there are not 100%. And there's a lot of, side effects to them. There's a lot of downside to taking those medications. And I think that if there's something that can be given with uh, minimal risk, you got to look at something like vitamins because that's what, you know, we're designed for. And the greatest way to get them is in your IVs. And so we give vitamin C IVs of 10 to 25 grams to certain people, depending on, I guess, how sick they are. Because Linus Pauling was researching it for people like that. And there's people we know that's been doing this forever. Naturopaths are, are some of the biggest ones who've done vitamin IVs. I mean, the reason why I became a nurse practitioner was because I wanted to do vitamin IVs. That, that's, that's the coolest thing about it because I know this is powerful stuff. This is treated like, this is treated as effective as some of the things they're probably doing out there. But I don't know if it's true or not because there's no follow-up to it. So here's the thing. I keep telling Baldo I'm, I'm like really confused out there because that doctor in China said all this stuff. And then this New York doctor, I think two weeks ago or last week, started slamming vitamin C and IVs and all their patients when they were getting admitted to the hospital. And they were doing like 1,500 milligrams every three to four hours. And it was great because it gave us kind of a hope to see like, all right, cool, they're going to boost their immune system while they try to figure out what to do. But I don't know what happened to those specific patients, right? Because there's no way to tell from, like, I'd have to follow. They didn't mention the hospital, right? So I'd have to follow the doctor's hospital, the, the rounds, the rotations. Maybe it's just that one group of patients for that one day. I'm not sure. But I need to know the doctor. At least we can find out, like, hey, so what did you notice? Yeah. Because with all the symptoms, and even the article, if you ask me for the article, I'll send it. 
it's um it's the same deal it's like all of them improved they just they improved they got better yeah and so if you look at the numbers out there right now the numbers are still not as daunting as you think and it's weird because from a morbidity actually from a mortality rate excuse me from a mortality rate it's about 1.9% right now worldwide and in the US like just it's that's the same rate and we took the measurements for seasonal flu here in the United States according to the CDC guidelines was uh, you know I think 6% mortality rate I think is what we were calculating 6% is what we said yep yes. 6% so it's it's weird I'm not comparing but I am right like it's just saying it it's a totally different you know disease it's a it's, it's bad but at the same time so seasonal flu and you got to wonder here's the thing what everyone's missing in this whole conversation is why are there a lot of people who if it's six percent to 1.9 percent then that means all the other people the 90 plus percent are staying healthy and they're living okay so that's what we're not taking away and those those numbers and those odds they're they're very small compared to as much as this is affecting right and I, I hate to say it I'm not trying to I'm not trying to downgrade what's going on right now in the hospitals with our brave nurses and doctors it's just yeah. the idea is that they're overwhelmed because there's so many sick people who can't fight all this stuff off because of the underlying issues going on with them like the diabetes and the heart disease and autoimmune disorders and they haven't taken care of themselves and they're a smoker and they're yeah. a drinker and they don't exercise Right, those are the issues of really why they're connected to why they're winding up in the hospital because they can't fight it off. There's plenty of people that I know and you know that yeah. probably had this already and just said, Yeah, it was the worst thing ever. I stayed inside for about a week and then I got better. Yeah, correct. Like, yeah, just like any other sickness or flu, right? Uh, where, yeah, you feel like shit, but, but you fight it off. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, you wonder why, like, something like vitamin C doesn't get announced as much, right? Even just high-dose vitamin C's in general, not even related to, to like, sepsis or to COVID, right? Like, it's not like we have one or two clients that, like, oh, I know vitamin C, but it's not like everyone that walks in here that needs to uh, needs some recovery it comes in asking for vitamin C. It's like the moment you, you tell them, like, well, you could do high-dose vitamin C for that. They're like, oh, really? Like, like what I have in my cabinet? And it's just like, we know for a fact that it helps in so many different cases, right? Regardless, and so I'm just saying, like, where does that come from? Why doesn't that happen? Is it purely like no one's profiting from it, kind of deal, or is it, or what do you, what do you, what do you suggest? There's nothing sexy about vitamin C. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing sexy about oranges. vitamin C. You mean oranges? Oranges, right? Uh, yeah, they're good for you. I it's know that, right? Color, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's already made. It's nature. Right, it's already there. Like this isn't like someone had to create vitamin C campaigns, right? But we've had to, right? Yeah. Because this is not the norm. Like think about it. To this day, you and I, we we started off with saying we know vitamins are good for you. Yeah. Right. We said that when like it's been proven that vitamins are good for you. But you know what happened right after um, the New York Post came out with the uh, with the article about the doctor saying that he was given vitamin yeah, talking C. Yeah, talk about how vitamin C helps. Yeah. yeah. He there was an article from a major publication the following two days from different ones that tried to debunk yeah. the whole idea of vitamin C being beneficial. It's like there's no proof. It's like well, there's no proof that all these other things that you say are 
are working are, are actually working either. Well, Hey, Vitamizers, thanks so much for tuning into the How Do You Health podcast. We hope this conversation is beneficial for you and keeping you company in these very weird times as we're all stuck mostly at home. Please stay safe, keep yourself healthy, wash your hands, do all that good stuff. And please remember that we do have our brand new Vitamunity dailies available for purchase. That link is going to be below. And when you bundle them with our Bliss, which helps you increase mood, you'll save 20% on the package and we'll donate 10% of all proceeds to the ATX Hospitality Fund, which is benefiting those in need during this crucial time around the Austin, Texas area. So boost your immunity, boost your mood, help the community, and let's just do our parts to help get over this strange coronavirus time very quickly. Thank you so much, Vitamizers, and keep on listening. I mean, let me ask you this. From a personal standpoint, we're a small business, right? We're trying to stay open and get people better, right? That's the honest truth. That's essentially what the hospital is doing as well. But, I mean, the people who stand to profit in this, this whole big thing, I mean, it's not going to be small business after this, right? Like, that's the truth. Correct. Okay? And I hate to look at it that way. And I know health is important. But the truth is, if you put the focus on health, for example, us a small business health and a hospital being big health, you know, right now, big health is overwhelmed. Correct. And what I look at is the reason why vitamin C is not sexy or being thrown around in the news or whatnot is because the same reasons why the healthcare system that we're living in right now is ranked 30th in the world. And we spend more money on this healthcare system and probably on this crisis than we ever had on healthcare before. And we're not going to be healthier when we get out of this. Well, hopefully we are. I, I mean, I do hope so. But you're being positive, and I, yeah. I love you for that, and that's <laughs> awesome. Um, what we're trying to do is spread the message of people getting healthier, you know, getting out of this quarantine and shelter in place and whatnot because – Well, I mean, it's interesting, right, because it's like there's all these reports of, like, people dying and all this other stuff, and we can go over stats and be like – like, we could even – you can go as far as just like, like, yeah, it's dangerous, but it's not as bad as other things. But it's like, why is it? And I, I get it, right? Like the media is always trying to like use scare tactics. But what about all the ones that have survived it? I've done it on my Facebook, where like someone is like, "Hey, this 112-year-old man survived COVID," and I was like, "Hey, repost that type of information." Like, why isn't the question, "What are the ones that are getting it and surviving it? What, like, what did they do? What, what happened with them?" I agree. I agree. There's too much. Like, why couldn't we like use it from a positive perspective? Like, look, here's a correlation of all the people that have survived it. What can you do that's similar to that that you're not currently doing? I mean, I just look at it right now. If you were to turn off your TV, not look at your phones, and you go outside and play all day through this whole deal and see how you can do work and find work, then I think you're going to be a lot happier than paying attention to what's going on. And if you're just staying home doing that, then you're helping the cause, right? Like, I mean, that's really what it is. But I... They're focusing too much on the negative. You're right. If there's 90 plus percent of people that are surviving from this, then what are they doing to survive? What's working? What 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 are their stories like? The people who did get brought back. What what is yeah. the news? Why aren't the news reporting all the wonderful healthcare personnel that saved everyone, right? And and said, hey, we had one ventilator left, and we we managed to save all three people that were there with us. You know, like yeah. Well, it's like. For example, this is kind of off, but still, like, my goal is to live to 120, right? And so, like, I read books. I study people that have lived longer. Like, what are they doing, right? They walk a lot. They drink a lot of water. Uh, you know, there's they eat beans, like a cup of beans. Like, I'm studying what are the people that are 
staying healthy for that long doing i'm not studying about like what are the ones that are dying before 120 not doing right like i'm not out there studying like what about like let me study all the people that died that didn't make it to 120 to see what i shouldn't be doing it's more like what are the ones that are making it to that doing so i can continue doing those things or do more of those things it's like a backwards approach i feel well that's why I'm so frustrated because as a healthcare provider, like I'm a family nurse practitioner, all right, which means that I treat, I'm, I'm trained to treat like comorbidities, chronic illnesses. And when I look at that with what I was taught in school, I learned the traditional route because I needed to for my certification and my boards and my licensure. The most interesting thing about it is there's very few traditional Western medical practices that accept anything other than pharmaceuticals as the only way to treat the human body. And I just do not agree with that. As a provider and a practitioner, I believe in things like energy. All right. I believe that when you have a patient that walks into your room and they are not doing well, you can sense that energy and you have to play that into account for your medical decision. Like, it's, it's just a weird sense, right? You're a healer. You're sympathetic, right? Like, you, you, you take on this role of wanting to help people become healthier. Yeah. And the problem is, is that in this country, we are trained to treat people as if they were sick all the time. Because all we are taught is, like, this is what you treat this disease with. This is what you treat this disease with. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? This is how you keep a person healthy. Yeah. Imagine if that was the case. You never thought the idea of like this when you go to, well when you go to school it's like would you rather earn an A or be given an A? Correct. Let me ask you this since because in the past two or three episodes we've been talking about frequency and uh, level of consciousness, right? Yep. Everything's energy. Yep. Right. So you would imagine a virus, any virus, this virus. Yep. Has a specific frequency. Yep. And it's like, what do you have to say about the idea or non-idea of like? If I don't vibrate at that frequency, will it attach to my frequency? I I agree with that statement. So there's uh, <laughs> so there was one I found actually. It was uh, uh, 728. I think it was the megahertz. Of, of, uh, for a detox vibration, uh, it was a meditation. That's interesting. Okay. So so, so what you got to imagine is that if if your body if your body is vibrating and running and metabolizing at a very high frequency, then essentially your whole body is optimizing function. And if it's optimizing function from an all cellular level, all the way down from the mitochondria up to your skin and your hair and your muscles and even the way that you react to certain things, then whatever you encounter, you're going to be well equipped in order to fight it off. Yeah. You call it immune system. I call it maybe just like being healthy. What's coherence and, it's, and yeah. incoherence? Yeah. Right. It's like when it comes to energy levels and and, uh, and frequencies, right? Like there's either coherence or there isn't, right? And so it's interesting because like I was thinking about that the other day is like because you think about like you try to attract abundance and you try to vibrate at a certain level, right? In order, and it's almost like the plenty of books will teach you about. Well, you know, you can't attract abundance if everything you're thinking is like non-abundance or scarcity because you're going to vibrate at a certain level and you can't really attract that abundance because it's it's incoherent energy yeah. it's never going to vibe yeah. so it's like 
could you see can you and that's from like more positivity but could you see it from the from the down end of like what frequency does something like a virus like covid and if i don't vibrate down there does it attach to me well i think that's <laughs> that's why there's an explanation of why people won't get sick sure i mean that's it that's a prime example and it's that's the thing for you to say all of that you just spoke physics it's correct Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> Traditional medicine is going to say that was a bunch of spiritual baloney that you just sure. said. Yeah. And I say, no, it's not. That's science. Yes. Because if you believe that our bodies vibrate on a certain frequency, which they do, you know, whether you choose to believe it or not, I mean, it's just, it's interesting because we have many different ways our bodies function. Electricity, vibration, uh, there's even uh, pH levels. Yeah. Right? Like, there's... There's so many things that our body does that it's just you shouldn't just accept that there's only a handful of things that we already know as the only way to look at the body. And so medicine, and I keep saying medicine, like traditional Western medicine thinks they own the human body. They think they know everything that's great for the human body and everything that the body deserves and should be treated as such, right? And it's funny because you have all these like so-called Eastern practitioners, like, you know, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, and even like gulandetas and stuff like that, where they're like, wait a second, traditional modern medicine's only been around for a little while. We've been practicing this for hundreds and hundreds of years, yeah. like, and it's been effective. And in fact, actually, the funny thing is, it's, it's almost like Plymouth Rock deal, you know, in Pilgrims. It's like, you know what, you actually came to all this, and you found all your medicines in the woods and in the forests of the Amazon and Mexico, and then you basically learn how to compound them and make them into medicines for yourself. Correct. So really, you're getting your medicines from the earth, which all medicine comes from the earth. Yes. At they least just, they just they just cut it with other stuff. They cut it with <laughs> other stuff. They step on it with other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah like correct. that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you look well, at it's like, what are they gonna cut this vaccine with? What are they gonna cut this <laughs> vaccine with? Um, uh, that's just a whole different conversation. Well, we're, we're probably not gonna have. Really. But I, I will I will bring up a good point on this. I think uh, if you're gonna talk about the vaccine, which will happen very shortly. Um, I think an antibody vaccine sure. would be a great approach. Just throwing that out there. You know, it's not a bad idea. Um, I'm wondering what they'll come up with because th my hope is that there's a lot of different businesses. And I say businesses, pharmacies, you know, uh, pharmaceutical companies, whatever, clinical trials that are being done right now to see what's more effective out there. My question is, where is it going to come from? What, con what country? Well, China. Oh, no, Russia. Is it Russia that, or Germany? I, I actually don't know. It's this. actually, I think it's it's either Russia or Germany says they have the first vaccine ready. Bayer's from Germany, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 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 so, anyways, um, that's 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 my that's my answer to that. If that's even an answer, actually, um, it's more of a question. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will say that regardless of what is going to happen. In a year from now, you have to kind of survive what's going on right now. And the whole level of consciousness that we were talking about was the idea that if you can reset the way that you think about things in this world, okay. I'm surprised he only answered that thing. Hey, Charles, we miss you, buddy. Um, going back to level of consciousness deal, the level of consciousness 
has a frequency on many different levels. Imagine a scale of zero to a thousand. And the level frequency and in, in consciousness is your vibration and where you're running at on that scale. So imagine if you're like a hundred or you're two hundred, you're kind of running low, right? T a thousand is the highest. So if you're running at like a hundred to two hundred, that's like shame, anger, and like guilt. It's not very good ways of thinking about things in this world, right? Like if you're always thinking about things from an anger, a guilt, or a shameful perspective, you're probably not in a good situation in life. I'm just guessing, right? And if you have a person that goes up to about 300 to 400, they're doing a little bit better wherever that in life as well. Uh, I, f I forget exactly which ones they are. I think it's uh, I think pride comes into play somewhere around there. Um, so you do get a little bit of self-confidence, right? But pride is still holding you back because most people should try to aim for about 500 or better. And 500 is where you're kind of like you're starting to get like you're starting to see a bigger picture. You've been working on yourself and you're kind of you're not content, but you're optimistic almost. And I, I know that's not the exact word that's there, but you then after 500, you increase. I think I'm, I'm thinking of this chart in my head right now. Uh, I think you you try to go for six or seven hundred, and to put it in perspective, Gandhi was at seven hundred, Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, I believe, or they were believed to be at five hundred, and Jesus was at a thousand. So eight hundred, I think it's seven hundred or a thousand, seven thousand, seven hundred to a thousand, is reserved for people whose sole purpose is the betterment of mankind. And you look at the number with Albert Einstein being 500, it's pretty incredible because that scientific brain of his couldn't get past anything to get into spirituality. And when you get to 700, you start experiencing things like bliss. Yeah. And you get to 1,000, and all of a sudden you're in nirvana. Um, really quick, on that 6% number that we quoted earlier on the flu, it was actually a number that we were looking at for severe cases of so hospital yeah, hospitalizations. So, so um, we looked at we looked at severe it cases. It was from the CDC. It was actually hospital admissions versus death. That's what it was. And okay, so yeah. that's where we got the six percent from. So it's not a general six percent. Definitely yeah, that would yeah, be Yeah, really because high. the thing is if you look at all reported cases, then yes, I believe it'd probably be about point one percent. But it then again, like the news isn't looking I mean, they're basically just looking at reported cases and deaths. They're not talking about recoveries. Yeah. They're not talking about how many people tested. Because yeah, they're, they're talking about tested positive, but how many people show symptoms. Because on the CDC chart, the reason why we did it for the 6% is because on the CDC chart, if you go to the website, it has six columns or six different divisions. And some of them are like reported cases, hospital admissions, severe cases, and then like deaths. And I forgot what the other two were. So we just kind of like filtered them out and just said like it was too broad of a range. And so it's like, all right, we're just going to dwindle it down. So, like, how many people go into the hospital and die because of seasonal flu? Six yeah. percent. Of, of a certain, I forgot what it was. But no, it, was it just it, that, that according to whatever stats they had, it said that whoever is sick enough to go into oh. the hospital, and right? Hospitalized? And, yeah, or it, was, it was hospitalized overnight or something. No, it was like hospitalized. That? Like to get hospitalized it for it, it was that versus cases of deaths. Yeah. It's definitely not like if you have the flu, you have a six percent chance to no, die. No, right no, it's not no. that at all. <laughs> it's not that at all. No, and but, but even with this thing, it's like all right, there's cases, right? And the, the reported cases or tested positives, I guess, sure. or the, uh, the way you could say it, is uh, I think we're approaching eight hundred thousand. 
Are we at a million yet? I'm not sure. Here in the States? Worldwide. Oh, I don't know. Here in the States, we're, shoot, 140? We're probably up to 150 today. And out of those 140,000, there was 2,500 deaths. Yeah, I, this is, people will be listening to this and it's going to be and it's uh, gonna and it's gonna, it's gonna be, be different. Off. It's gonna be off. Uh, I'm just saying because the numbers change every day because people are getting tested and those are gonna go up, right? But the death rate may or may not change because one of the things they've been doing recently is they told people not to get tested because they don't have enough kits and it's overwhelming the hospitals because people are just rushing to the hospitals to get tested. And they're coming in sick and they think they have these things. And so what they're doing is they're screening people to see if you're good candidates for, for that person, for for that test. And that's that's why all of this is just completely just so turned turn around. Today is March 31st, and it says here the live update is 828,000 cases worldwide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so just in the U.S. alone, 2,500 deaths. And if I talk to you about that, I can glorify it and and really build it up, but I'm not going to. I mean, that's just. It's it's not it's not a necessity because cool. the most of the time when people want to know good news, I have to go out of my way to go find. Well, tell me about all the people who are saved. They got to go home to their wonderful family, and uh, you know what? They got a raise at work because you know like they made it back or something, right? Yeah. Like, tell me about the people who are going back out there who have been positive, and uh, what does their life look like now that they're immune to it? Are they immune to it? Right. Like we do. We don't know. Right. Because there's none of that being reported. But I think that. This kind of just looks at a bigger picture. In addition to the level of consciousness, what we've been talking about. It's a chance for you to kind of self check and see where you're at in life. Right. This is a, a we're in crisis mode. Right. Like that's what really what we are. And wherever you're standing. You are reflecting on what the world's going to look like once we get out of this. Because we all are in the same boat. Every single person in this world is affected by this. Right? Everyone's kids are affected by this. They know what's up by now. Right? And the truth is... Yeah, how are your kids handling it? Kids are good. They they know there's a virus where the, the four-year-old does. You know, the two-year-old doesn't know what's going on. But... Which it, we just had a birthday party for him last we week. We just had a birthday cool. party. It was I got him a, a volcano bubble machine. I think I had more fun. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it was very cool. We got a slip and slide. They're enjoying the slip and slide for the birthday. They, they get to ride uh, these llamas down the slip and slide. It's awesome. There's two slides to it. It's cool. That's cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, you can you can look at all the positive things that are coming out of this from a level of consciousness standpoint because just like anything else, glass half full, glass half empty, right? I just finished my wonderful Slenderita, fully loaded. With vitamin C in it. With vitamin C in it and a bunch of other great vitamins and antioxidants as well. This is my immune booster for the day. It's uh, just bare minimum. I took a bunch of stuff earlier too. But I look and say, oh, man, I'm done with this drink. It sucks. Wish I had another one. Or I could say, man. I've had two today. Yeah, of course you did. I was thinking I'd have another one. But I could say like, oh, but uh, you know what? That was delicious. That was incredible. I really enjoyed that. I imagine that if you're at home right now, you could stay positive. You can call a friend. You can tell a loved one, hey, you know what? We're all going to get through this, and please check on them because we don't know. We don't know how people are doing right now. Yep. Yeah, go check on your loved ones. Tell them you love them. Tell them you can't wait to give them a big hug next time you see them because we're all going to do that. And so next time you see all your friends and your family, 
we will give each other big hugs and say we're grateful. Let's get back to work. Cool. Well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon on the next episode. We got a good staff coming, a, a good set of uh, guests coming as well too. So, thank you guys. Thank <laughs> you.